0: Chapter 5 of The Big Time by Fritz Leiber. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Karen Savage. Chapter 5. Whenever I take up a newspaper and read it, I fancy I see ghosts creeping between the lines. There must be ghosts all over the world. They must be as countless as the grains of the sands, it seems to me. Ibsen. Sid insists on ghost girls. My Elizabethan boyfriend put his fists on his hips, and laid down the law to us as if we were a lot of nervous children who'd been playing too hard. "'Look, you masters, this is a recuperation station, and I am running it as such—a plague of all operations. I care not if the frame of things disjoints, and the whole change-world goes to ruin, but you, warrior-maid, are going to rest, and drink more wine slowly before you tell your tale, and your colleagues are going to be properly companioned—no questions any one.' Bo, and you love us, give us a lively tune." Cabby relaxed a little, and let him put his hand carefully against her back in token of support, and she said grudgingly, "'All right, Fadbelly. Then so help me, to the tune of the Muskrat ramble which I'd taught Bo, we got girls for those two E.T.'s, and everybody properly paired up. Right here I want to point out that a lot of the things they say in the change world about recuperation stations simply aren't so. And, anyway, they always leave out nine-tenths of it. The soldiers that come through the door are looking for a good time, sure, but they're hurt real bad, too, every one of them, deep down in their minds and hearts, if not always in their bodies, or so you can see right away. Believe me, a temporal operation is no joke, and to start with, there isn't one person in a hundred who can endure to be cut from his lifeline and become a really wide-awake double-ganger, a demon, that is, let alone a soldier. What does a badly and mixed-up creature need who's been fighting hard? One individual to look out for him, and feel for him, and patch him up. And it helps if the one is of the opposite sex—that's something that goes beyond species. There's your basis for the place, and the wild way it goes about its work—and also for most other recuperation stations or entertainment spots. The name Entertainer can be misleading, but I like it. She's got to be a lot more than a good party girl—or boy though she's got to be that, too. She's got to be a nurse, and a psychologist, and an actress, and a mother, and a practical ethnologist, and a lot of things with longer names, and a reliable friend. None of us are all those things perfectly, or even near it. We just try. But when the call comes, entertainers have to forget grudges and gripes and envies and jealousies, and remember they're lively people with sharp emotions, because there isn't any time then for anything but help and don't ask who. "'And deep inside her, a good entertainer doesn't care who. "'Take the way it shaped up this time. "'It was pretty clear to me I ought to shift to Illy, "'although I wasn't quite easy in my mind about leaving Eric, "'because the Lunan was a long time from home, "'and, after all, Eric was among anthropoids. "'Illihilis needed someone who was simpatico. "'I like Illy, and not just because he's a sort of tall cross "'between a spider-monkey and a Persian cat, "'though that is a handsome combo when you come to think of it. I like him for himself. So when he came in all lopped and shaky after a mean operation I was the right person to look out for him. Now I've made my little speech and know nothings in the change world can go on making their bum jokes. But I ask you, how could an arrangement between Illy and me be anything but platonic? We might have some octopoid girls and nymphs in stock—Sid couldn't be sure until he checked—but Illyhillis and Sea voted for real people, and I knew Sid saw it their way. Maud squeezed Mark's hand and tripped over to Sevensey. "'Those are sharp hoofs you got, man.' She's picked up some of my language, like she has everything else. Though Beau did frown over his shoulder at Lily from the piano, maybe to argue that she ought to take on the E.T., as Mark had been a real casualty and could use live nursing. But it was plain as day to anybody but Beau that Bruce and Lily were a big thing and the last to be disturbed. Eric acted stiffly hurt at losing me, but I knew he wasn't he thinks he has a great technique with ghost girls and he likes to show it off and he really is pretty slick at it if you go for that sort of thing and yang my yin who doesn't at times and when sid formally wafted the countess out of stores a real blonde stunner in a white satin hobble skirt with a white egret swaying up from her tiny hat way ahead of maud and lily and me when it came to looks though transparent as cigarette smoke And when Eric clicked his heels and bowed over her hand, and proudly conducted her to a couch, black Svengali to her trilby, and started to German talk some life into her with much head cocking and toothy smiling and a flow of witty flattery, and when she began to flirt back, and the dream look in her eyes sharpened hungrily and focused on him, well, then I knew that Eric was happy and felt he was doing proud by the Reichswehr. No, my little commandant wasn't worrying me on that score." mark had drawn a greek hetera name of phinney i suppose not the one who maybe still does the famous courtroom striptease back in athens and he was waking her up with little sips of his scotch and soda though from some looks he'd flashed i got the idea cabby was the kid he really went for Sid was coaxing the fighting gal to take some high-energy bread and olives, along with the wine, and for a wonder Doc seemed to be carrying on an animated and rational conversation with Sevensy and Maud, maybe comparing notes on the northern Venusian shallows, and Beau had got on to panther rag, and Bruce and Lily were leaning on the piano, smiling very appreciatively, but talking to each other a mile a minute. Lily turned back from inspecting them all and squeaked, "'Animals with clothes are so refreshing, darling!' like you're all carrying banners." Maybe he had something there, though my banners were kind of Ash Wednesday—a charcoal gray sweater and skirt. He looked at my mouth with a tentacle to see how I was smiling, and he squeaked softly, "'Do I seem dull and commonplace to you, Greta girl, because I haven't got banners—just another zombie from a million years in your past, as gray and lifeless as Luna is today not as when she was a real dreamy sister-planet simply bursting with air and water and feather forests. Or am I as strangely interesting to you as you are to me, girl from a billion years and my future?' "'Illy, you're sweet,' I told him, giving him a little pat. I noticed his fur was still vibrating nervously, and I decided the heck with Sid's orders. I'm going to pump him about what he was doing with Cabby and the satyr. Couldn't have him a billion years from home and bottled up, too. Besides, I was curious.' End of chapter 5